Bush, the general manager of the Reds. Marge shot the majority owner. A standing room only crowd in Cincinnati on its feet. First inning, Pete Rose against Eric Shaw. Ball one. It'll be interesting to see if Eric Shaw tries to pitch Pete the way Lamar Hoyt did last night, and that would be fastballs in and change up the way. Rose looking for hit 4-1-9-2. And it's one ball, one strike. And he really had a confident rip. And that was a fastball in tight, which I think is the way that they'll try to pitch him since they were successful with it last night. And that is really the only spot in Pete's batting stance that he's vulnerable in. If you have a lump in your throat, you're only human. And it's two balls, one strike on Rose. Everybody on their feet here in Cincinnati and a worldwide television audience watching these moments tonight here at Riverfront Stadium. 2-1 pitch from Shao in the left center. There it is. Rose has eclipsed Cobb. That's number 4,192. When you hear Pete Rose, you begin to think of the phrase, I did not bet on baseball. See, in the late 80s, Pete Rose was banned from the game that he loves because he gambled on baseball. Pete Rose cheated on baseball. And there's been plenty of athletes that have cheated. In fact, uh, right now, there's still athletes that have taken performance-enhancing drugs that are still playing in Major League Baseball today. And the fact that Pete Rose cheated on baseball is sad. But what takes his story from being sad to a tragedy isn't that he cheated, but that he lied for almost two decades. That any time a reporter would ask, he was adamant that he did not cheat. That he was being punished for a crime that he did not commit. That for almost two decades, Pete would deny and deny and deny. The cheating got Pete banned from baseball. The lying is what ruined his character. When I began to look at this passage for our series here on heart attacks as we're moving through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, uh, I began to read this and I kind of laughed to myself. I thought, am I really going to stand up in a room full of grown adults and tell them that lying is bad? Like, we know that. We know lying is bad. This is something they cover in kids' world. This is what you tell your little son when he's made up some excuse about why he hit his sister. Lying is bad. We remind teenagers when they're coming home late at night with really bad excuses. Lying is bad, right? We know these things. This isn't something for adults. This is something that we cover with kids. It's obvious. We know this, right? Then I began to do some research. I looked at different organizations like the American Psychological Association that states that 50% of all marriages end in divorce. And underneath that was an article entitled, Healthy Divorce, How to Make Your Split as Smooth as Possible. 
I found that the average household debt is increasing every year and that the average debt for some homes is $16,000 in just credit cards. That in the year 2015, the IRS audited 1.2 million people. Now, I know there's more to these stories. I know there's all sorts of facts and figures and stats can be skewed. But I think the point is this. I think the point is that telling the truth, that being honest and keeping our word affects us more than we think. Keeping our word affects us more than we think. So what I want to do this morning is I want to look and see what did Jesus say about the truth? What did Jesus say about giving oaths? So if you have your North Point app, feel free to go ahead and pop that open this morning. Uh, let it refresh for a few seconds as it updates to today's message. And you can follow along there on the outline provided. Uh, we're going to start here, Matthew chapter 5, verses 33 through 37. Jesus is saying, again, you have heard that it was said to people long ago, do not break your oath. But fulfill to the Lord the vows that you have made. But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not swear by your head, for you cannot even make one hair white or black. All you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. So when we look at scripture, when we look at passages like this, it's really important to understand the context. It's important to know the background of what's going on here. During this time, the Israelite people uh, were commonly getting into uh, two different kinds of oaths. There was a positive oath, which was a promise to do something, and there was a negative oath, which was a promise not to do something. And this can make some sense. So you would think if you were uh, back in this time period, if your neighbor was going to visit relatives that were in a land far away, they may ask you to watch their land. So you would promise to take care of their sheep and their camels and their tent and whatever other things they had. And then you would also make a negative oath to promise not to steal any of those things that you were taking care of, right? So we understand this concept. We were all in the third grade. We know what a pinky swear is, right? Everybody knows what a pinky swear is? Okay, so when they would make an oath like this, sometimes people would promise on God's name, on God's name. And this was a big deal, how many of you have ever heard somebody use the phrase, I swear to God? I hate that phrase. I hate that phrase because 99% of the time people have no idea what they're saying or getting themselves into. I hate when people use that. When someone would make an oath in the name of God, this was binding. I'm talking an ironclad contract, not just between me and you, but between me and God. This was unbreakable. It had almost a sacred feel to it. This was huge. And that can be kind of intimidating, right? I don't want to make an oath to God and then not be able to follow through. That's a huge commitment. What's going to happen if I mess that up? I don't want God to be against me, right? So look what people would do, uh, especially Pharisees at the time, the you know, highly esteemed, educated, religious guys who were always butting heads with Jesus. Look what they would do here. Because they didn't want to swear an oath on God's name and then not keep it, they would begin to swear on the name of heaven or on earth or Jerusalem or even their own head. See, go back with me, if you will, back to the third grade again, okay? And you are talking with your best friend, little Billy or little Jessica, right? And you would pinky swear, little Billy, that if he gave you his fruit roll-up, 
you would pick him first at recess, right? Like this was the oath that you made every single day in elementary school. So you would pinky swear Billy. He gave you his free rule up. You were going to pick him first at recess. But what little Billy didn't know was that behind your back, you were doing this. What is that? Everybody knows what this is, right? Pinky swearing here, but you are crossing your fingers. Shame, shame, shame. We know what crossing our fingers means, right? Anytime you make a pinky swear and you cross your fingers, that means that the, it's no good, right? Crosses negate any pinky swear that you have at any point in time. Some of you are going, what in the world is Jake talking about? He has spent way too much time at recess, right? I know. Hang with me. Hang with me here. This is what the Pharisees were commonly doing. They were crossing their fingers. They were looking to make loopholes. They would say things like, oh, sorry, I only swear by Jerusalem, so I kind of got a thing. I'm not going to be able to make it to that one, right? They were making loopholes for everything that they did. And the reason that they created this is because they wanted to look good. They wanted to look honest and trustworthy, but not actually have to be responsible to follow through with their commitments. So Jesus is telling them, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. That's not how this goes. Look at verse 34 through 36 again. Jesus says, But I tell you, do not swear an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is God's throne, or the earth, for it's his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king, and do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Jesus is telling him, Look, loopholes don't work. God is still the king and ruler of all of those things. Don't make an oath against something that you have no power to control. Don't make a promise if you have no intentions of following through on your word. I asked a bunch of people this week, I said, hey, when you hear how the word lie or liar, like what comes to mind? What do you think of it? People named a bunch of different politicians. They named celebrities and athletes. Uh, pretty much everybody referenced Jim Carrey's liar, liar, right? We've all seen that one. So everybody had this image of lies. And I asked Rick what he thought of. And from time to time, Rick can be a little bit of a quote guy. So he gave me a quote here that I really liked. It says, a half truth told is a whole truth is a whole lie. A half-truth told as a whole truth is a whole lie. We researched. We couldn't find out who said it. He wanted me to give him credit, so I threw it up as unknown. <laughs> but that's because there are no loopholes in the truth. I heard someone tell me that if this politician that they love could just do half of the things that he promised, if he could just get half of that done, man, that, that would be great. No. No, that's not how the truth works. Imagine if your cell phone provider came to you and said, hey, we have a brand new plan, unlimited data, unlimited talk, unlimited text. It's the greatest thing. The price, it's great. And it looks really good. So you said, hey, I want all of those things. My kid is constantly going over on their data. I want this plan. So you sign up for it and you find out this is the perfect thing. Then the first bill comes. And you find out that Verizon or Sprint or T-Mobile or Cricket or whoever you have, when they said unlimited, they meant on Tuesdays. Yeah, between 2 and 6 o'clock in the morning in the year 2016, right? We would be furious about that. We would give them all sorts of unlimited talk and text, letting them know, hey, that is not right. That is not what I signed up for. And the reason is because loopholes aren't the truth. Loopholes are lies. And we'll see in a little bit that Jesus isn't a fan 
of lies. So what else did Jesus say to these Pharisees, these loophole liars? Look here in verse 37. He said, all you need to say is simply yes or no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. He says, don't swear at all. Don't get in the habit of making oaths and promises. Uh, My wife, Ashley, is really, really bad at remembering movies. We can watch a movie today, and in three weeks from now, she is still going to be surprised to find out that Marlon finds Nemo at the end of the movie, right? Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Pixar in the past, like, 20 years, my bad. But she would still be surprised. She doesn't remember movies. She doesn't get movie quotes, except for one movie, a movie from, like, 1994 called It Takes Two, starring Mary-Kate and Ashley Olsen. (laughs) Love her to death. But... So we watched this movie together, right? Nobody's seen this movie. Nobody remembers this movie. She quotes it to me all the time. I have no idea what she's talking about. I finally decided, okay, I will watch this movie with you. I made it about halfway through the movie, and there was a line in here that just kind of stuck out to me. She's quoted it before, but it's one of the Olsen twins is going to make a promise. And this, like, blows everybody away because she never makes promises. And so she says this one line in here as you know, a little Olsen twin at the time would say, he said, I didn't say I don't make promises. I said I don't make promises I can't keep. Childish movie, awesome line. Awesome line. I didn't say I don't make promises. I said I don't make promises I couldn't keep. See, some of us have problems overcommitting ourselves. Some of us have problems overcommitting ourselves. We're committed to the PTO, to coaching soccer, to playing on a softball team, and then we run a Bible study, and we've got that weekend fishing trip, and I got to fix the dishwasher, and then there's trivia night, and I still got to go to hot yoga. And did he say hot yoga? Yeah. <laughs> All these different things that we are committed to. In reality, we have trouble saying those two very difficult letters in O. We have trouble saying no. In reality, we've just promised too much. The truth is, as far as scientific advancements have come, we still can't physically be in two places at once. In fact, we've overcommitted ourselves. And when we try so hard to be in two places at once, and part of the time we're focused on our kids' soccer game, but our head's really at this work thing. And all the time, we're showing up to stuff late, we're leaving early, we've got tons of excuses because we've overcommitted. And the key to this is to let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. See, to be honest, I don't think that God blesses the excuses. I don't think that God blesses the half-hearted Moses would have been a ton of trouble if God would have said, hey, you know what, I'll part most of the Red Sea for you. They'd have had issues, right? Things wouldn't have worked out well. See, that's not how God works. God is all in or God is all out. And the beautiful thing is that when it comes to loving us, God is all in. God doesn't do anything half-hearted. God doesn't do anything halfway. I do that to him all the time. All the time I go halfway with God, but God chases after me with all his might and all his love and pursues me with all that he has. See, don't make a promise or an oath if you can't be all in. 
So let me ask then, why, why does Jesus care so much about this? Why is honesty and trustworthiness and the truth, well, these things are so important to Jesus. Why does Jesus seem to care so much? Check out John chapter 14, verse 6. In John 14, 6, it says, Jesus answered, I am the way and the what? And the what? The truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. See, whether or not we can be trusted to follow through with our word is a reflection to the world of our relationship with God. If you and I as Christ followers can't keep our word, then why would the rest of the world believe us when we claim that God loves them, that Jesus died for them? Why is the truth so important to Jesus? Because Jesus is the truth, and no man comes to the Father except through the truth. Keeping your word is so important because hopefully there'll come a point in time where you're going to share the way, the life, the truth with those same people that you share your time and your stories and your commitments with. So this means things like no fudging on our taxes. It means sticking hard to those marriage vows. It means paying off that debt, finishing that work project that you committed to, actually showing up to volunteer, and even praying for that person that you said, I'll pray for you. Jesus cares when we stick to our words. See, I know that can sound a little harsh. That doesn't necessarily sound loving coming from up here. But guys, believe me, I am not on top of the mountain telling you how to live your lives. I am right there in the battle with you. I struggle all the time over committing, and my follow-throughs can be really bad. I've lied and misrepresented the truth, too. That's why this week... This week, I've committed to do two things, and I invite you to join me on these two things. But I've committed to do these two things. The first one is to plug the loopholes. Plug the loopholes. That means this week, finishing whatever you committed to. Finish whatever it is that you started. This means letting your yes mean yes, and it means saying no when you really need to say no. And this is going to be really hard because I know for a fact this week I'm going to have some stuff to do that, man, I just want to cross my fingers. I just want to find that loophole. Honey, I know I said I would fix that, but right, I'm, I want to find the loophole. And it's my nature to do those kinds of things. But it's making up my mind that when I make these commitments, when I make these promises, I'm going to see them through because God cares about my word. I'm going to plug the loopholes. The second thing is I'm going to restore the truth. Restore the truth. See, some of us have caused a lot of pain and a lot of hurt by breaking our oaths, by breaking our promises. We have a family member, a coworker, a friend, or somebody that has seen a misrepresentation of what truth is supposed to be like. And because of that, we have to restore the truth in that relationship. This means uh, not only doing a better job sticking to our future commitments, but it may mean also asking forgiveness for commitments that we've already broken. That may mean that you have to pick up the phone and make a call or maybe buy a cup of coffee with somebody to begin to restore truth 
in that relationship. Ask forgiveness. Bring back together so that they can begin to trust us once again. To give a more honest picture to them of who Jesus is. So I would challenge you this week, if the Holy Spirit puts a person or a name or a memory or a moment on your heart, man, restore the truth. Even if it's something that occurred years ago, find a way this week to restore the truth. See, I will always, always be a Pete Rose fan. The way that he played the game, the way that he loved baseball, the things that he accomplished are amazing. And as a diehard Red, diehard Reds fan, I love celebrating this. I love talking about 41-92. But it's tragic to see what happened because Pete lied so long. I don't think that it was his intention to damage those relationships. I don't think that he wanted a tarnished legacy. And I don't think that it all started with one big lie. I think it was a habit of small lies again and again and again. See, my guess is that Pete would take all of that back if he could. I know there are lies, there are moments in my life I would love to take back as well. See, the truth is important to Jesus, so much so that he describes himself as the truth which means that his followers, our word, the things that we commit to, the things that we promise, what we say, what we do is a representation of him. So I would challenge this week, close the loopholes. Restore the truth in a broken relationship and let your word give an honest account to others of who Jesus is. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you pursue us wholeheartedly, God, that you love us so much so that you sent your son to take our penalty and our place to make a way to redeem us back to you, Father. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would encourage us this week, Father, to close the loopholes, whatever it may be in our life, God, that we would learn to say yes and stick with our yes, God, that we would learn to say no when there are times we need to say no. And God, I pray, Lord, that if there are those relationships in our life, Father, somebody that we've hurt by not sticking to our word, Father, Lord, that we would restore the truth in those relationships so that we can be a right representation of your son and the love that you have for us, God. God, I pray that as we walk out these doors today, that your spirit would continue to consume us, Lord, that we have to go make our wrongs right and proclaim your truth to anybody that will listen. We love you, Father, and we pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ.